0: don't look scary at all. I don't know what I was worried about. My name is Katie and I'm so grateful to be here with you this weekend. I have the privilege, like you've heard, um, we've been in this Built to Last series talking about raising a family that is built to last and we've been spending a lot of our time focused on what happens inside of the four walls of our house and this weekend we're going to take it outside of the house and into the community that we live amongst because we are in a great big world with a lot of people and you and I, need people to walk with us to help us be better together. And so I have the privilege of doing that. I'm really excited, a little nervous, but I think it's gonna be great. Before though, since we're talking about family, I dive in. I feel like I should introduce you to mine. And for your benefit, I'm not gonna bring them all on stage because we're, we're a little exciting right now. So David and I are there. I'm the shortest by far, wow, or um, getting there. Uh, so Hayden is 16, Ellie is 11, Titus is six, and Bo is six months old so there that's a rare photo where he's looking you know in the direction of the camera so we were pretty pumped that'll be framed everywhere um, This is my family and I was as I was processing living life in community I have just been jokingly like taking little snippets of our experience at home and kind of processing it and I wanted to share with you within like a span of five minutes this week just if you ever meet me and you think that I'm kind of like a squirrel in a pinball machine um, So five minutes in my home this week, all happening at the same time, I'm talking to my 16 year old about what he needs for his football game on Friday night, which was this past Friday, they won, yay! Um, And about some curfews for some upcoming high school events that he has, terrifying but exciting. Um, While we're talking, I'm listening to my sixth grade daughter playing her new instrument. They get those in sixth grade, it's a trumpet. Have you ever heard anybody learn to play the trumpet? It is exciting. So we're trying to talk, also listening to the trumpet. Titus comes up to me and I try to run or jog or you know walk tiredly around my neighborhood every day. And I was getting ready to go or I was trying to get ready to go and Titus wanted to come. And I had to tell him, hey man, you can come with me but you have to put more than undies on, right? Like we can't run around the neighborhood in just undies. So I'm having that conversation. <laughs> all while changing Beau's diaper. And it was a doozy, let me tell you. So that's our life right now. That's just what it looks like for us. Your family might look different. You might be single. Um, you might have roommates. You might be like us with lots of kids in different ages and spaces. You may have your kids grown. Wherever you are, we know that building a family that lasts requires some things. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Families that are built to last require friends. Have you ever heard the saying that it takes a village to raise a child? It literally means exactly what it says. It takes a community of people to help someone become what they're supposed to become. I'm sure you had a village when you were growing up. Your kids need a village. You still need a village, no matter what. And sometimes we call it different things, so I'm just gonna lay them all out there, although um, I'm probably missing a few. So you could call it your village, or your people, I call mine my village people. So if you hear me say that, I'm not talking about the YMCA guys, I'm talking about my people, okay? You can call it your tribe, your family, your team, your crew, your posse, I don't, I don't know what you call it, whatever you call it, you need it. And one of my earliest memories of that type of friendship happened on a late summer day in 1987, um, which my kids would say was like hundreds of years ago. The 80s were really great, I think about them a lot. Um, I grew up in rural Kansas, And in rural Kansas, our neighbors are about a mile down the road. It's a dirt road with gravel on it, if we're lucky, okay? If you've grown up out in the country, you know what I'm talking about. So her name is Tara, and we are still friends to this day. She was born on September 5th. I came on October 19th, and we were inseparable. Our families were best friends. We were neighbors. We hung out all the time. And this particular Saturday, we were hanging out at my parents' farm on a farm There are lots of spaces and places that you can go play we did not have cable when i was growing up no cell phones so we just played outside it was amazing and we had found a space where we were at and my dad tells the story if you've ever met him actually he tells this story a lot so i apologize if you've heard it before um my kindergarten graduation my middle school graduation high school graduation he said he shared it at prom Um, he Somehow somebody gave him a microphone and he shared this story at prom. Uh, sorority dad's weekend at my college, my wedding day, he shared this story. And probably out in the lobby, if you've met him, you've heard it. But I'm going to tell you again just for good measure. So as my dad tells this story, he's out working on a fence, doing something, and notices that Tara and I are running from the barn to... The hydrant filling these tiny little McDonald's sand buckets up with water. I don't know if you were a kid in the 80s, but they were amazing. Your Happy Meal food, and then you got to use it for all kinds of other things, right? So we were filling it with water and trotting back as fast as we could with our little legs back to the barn, back and forth and back and forth. And after a while, my dad's a pretty patient man, but he got a little curious and decided to head our way. I would love to tell you that we were doing some high-level science experiment or that we had found a sick animal that we were trying to revive. Um, we'd actually found some matches and some old fireworks, and we were just enjoying our time. What I didn't tell you was that the barn that we decided to get away from the wind in was the hay barn. And I don't know if you know a lot about hay. It's good for a lot of stuff. It is best at catching on fire, okay? We started a fire in the barn with the hay, all right? It was kind of a big deal at the time. So we ended up getting the fire out by the time Dad got there. He stomped on it, I think just for dramatic effect. He was wanting us to know how big of a deal it was. Um, And needless to say, Tara got sent home, I got sent to my room, and we had a few hard weeks. But what I learned then, and we still talk about it to this day, Dad will never let us forget it, actually, um, that that was a moment in our lives that solidified our best friend forever status. We had walked through something, right? It was of our own choosing. But we had walked through something hard, and it would be the beginning of a lifetime, we're still friends, where we're walking through hard things and good things, weddings and funerals, babies coming, job loss, moves, illnesses. We've not stopped walking together because we've recognized the power of doing that. I do want to just note that that barn Got hit by a tornado a few years later. So, no matter what, you know, like we didn't burn it down, but it, it's no longer there. Um, that's another story in and of itself. Um, but the value of community is powerful. And from the time before you're even born, you have a community around you. You have a mom or a dad. You've got family members, doctors, neighbors, people who are cheering for you and excited about you. They're hosting baby showers, giving you presents that you will never even know about. Community matters, and you need to be a part of it. There's a story in scripture that I want to go to today that I think highlights that in a really powerful way, and it's in Mark 2. Let's take a look at it. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Now, before we go further, I should probably tell you that I used to be a history teacher, so either I'm sorry or you're welcome, but I'm gonna give you a little context here because we don't know a lot about the man that's being carried other than he's paralyzed, but I can tell you a little bit about him because of what we know. He would have been on a mat, a burlap mat, that was about three or four feet by six foot. It looks a lot like what I'm standing on right now. He would have lived on that mat. He would have slept on that mat, eaten on that mat. He would have went to the bathroom on that mat. From that mat, he would have begged for food and for water. He was a prisoner of the mat. There were no doctors or hospitals to take care of him. And the shame of not being able to move or find any other place would have been enhanced because in Israel culture at that time, it was if there was a physical problem, it was because they assumed that you had a sin problem. So there was just a lot of shame that he was dealing with as well. He was one of the fortunate ones though because in Roman law at the time, parents were instructed to end the life of any child that was born with some type of physical deformity. In addition to being fortunate because he was spared, he had friends who were bringing him to Jesus and we know that's a big deal. What I want us to remember as we move forward is that we all have a mat. It may not look like this, but it's a circumstance in your life that you're walking through. You may have more than one at a time, And you might be trying to carry them on your own, and we can't. No matter how strong you are, you're not strong enough to do that. We all have a mat. Let's keep reading. Mark chapter 2, we'll start at verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So I just wanna make a note real quick, again, history. We know that the roof was not like made of cotton candy. It wasn't like, oh, just peel it back, have a snack later, like it was a big deal. Um, we, we talk about this stuff, I just, when you read in the Bible, you gotta do it kinda slow because there's so much that you can learn that you wouldn't have, you would have just run right past it. And this roof is a big deal. It shows a lot of dedication and stubbornness and the kind of friends that we need and want in our lives, because this roof would have been made of a mud clay, which is a lot like cement, which is a big deal to break through, I think. There would have been tiles on top, and there would have been hard, heavy sticks underneath. So that was a construction project, I would say. That wasn't just making an opening in the roof. That was a full-blown construction project. The room below was full of people, including the Son of God. That's a pretty big deal, right? These guys were in it to win it. And I just want us to be having that in our, I want us to think about that and have that in our mind as we go. So there are two main characteristics that these friends show us that I wanna focus on today. Um, and we are gonna spend most of our time talking about these friends because I think those are the types of friends we need in our life. And those are the types of friends that God has made us to be. So I wanna focus there. The first thing that they show us is that your people show up. Your village people, whatever you call them. Okay, Insert your word. They show up. One of the things that I love about talking about my people uh, is that these are the friends who pay attention. They know you. You can't microwave friendship. You can't just be like, oh, fantastic. I'll just read your mind, and we'll figure it out. It takes time. It takes honesty and openness. But these are the kind of people that figure out what you need, and they do everything that they can to help you get what you need. I call these my 3 a.m. friends because you can call them anytime, and they're ready for you these guys, these friends in the story, they could have been good friends and loved this man and not have brought him to Jesus, but they didn't. They went the extra mile, and those are the kind of people you want to. You want them to show up, okay? So 3 a.m. friends. Uh, David and I, RSV is something that happens probably everywhere, but when we were in Kansas with our little Hayden, we never heard about RSV. But we moved to South Dakota and like everybody had it. It's a respiratory issue that children have, maybe adults, I don't know. Oh, it was overwhelming. And it was 3 a.m. literally one morning and Titus needed to go to the hospital. It had gotten so bad, he he was having a really hard time breathing and we knew he just had to go. But we had two more kids at home. And so I called my friend Shelly and said, listen friend, here's what's going on, I need your help. And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, I'll be right there. And she came and stayed at our house I don't even remember how long it was, but I remember it was a really long time. And she stayed there so that we could go and take care of Titus. I had an emergency appendectomy. It happened on a Friday night that I needed to go straight to the hospital. They were gonna make me stay overnight. You know when you tell the doctor like, I don't need to stay overnight, you can just send me home. They didn't really think that was okay. So I needed to find a place for my kids to go. Called my friend Kate and she and her husband Chris came and got the kids and took care of them. Those are 3 a.m. friends. But it's other stuff too. Maybe your car breaks down. Maybe you have an IEP meeting for your kid and you need somebody to go with you. It's those friends who make you a meal when they know that your week is gonna be really crazy. It's the friend that maybe just drops by at your office and brings you a cup of coffee because they know that um, it's probably gonna be a long day and they just want you to know that they're paying attention. These are the kind of friends. Another example of these friends would be how I used my village people this week because I was going to be speaking to some very special people and wanted to make sure my outfit was OK. So you know when you go to a store and you go to the dressing room and try on all these outfits and take pictures and go, what do you think? And they were so kind and loving that they said, put all of that back and go home because all of that is awful. Like, we don't know what you're trying to do, but don't, don't do it. So they love you in that way too. It's practical and it's really hard stuff, but it's easy stuff too. Um, another example of my people. Uh, That I feel like I should tell you because one of the things that I know is that you're only known to the extent that you allow yourself to be known, right? So if I don't share stuff with you, you won't know what I need or what I'm walking through. So there's some vulnerability in that. This week I chose not to tell my village people something. So remember when I told you that Titus and I were going to go on a run? So he, instead of putting on actual clothes, put on a Spider-Man costume. So if you saw us If you saw a lady with a kid in a Spider-Man costume, like jogging, that was us. You're welcome. Um, So about three quarters of the way on our run, um, a cat started following us. More specifically, I think it was following Titus, because it was like, what is that? That's amazing. Cat followed us all the way home. It came to our house. And you have probably heard from my husband on this platform. (laughs) He said from this very place, cats are so bad. I happen to love them. I'm a farm girl, all right? And I can't let an animal follow us home and sit on my porch and not feed it. And I can't not pet it, right? I'm not adopting it. I'm just taking care of it. <laughs> Guys, I went and bought that cat a house. It's right, you can't hardly see it, but it's back behind under the chair. Just a little house, just so it would be able to. So I didn't call my village people about that. If I would have, they would have shown up at the store and they would have taken it out of my hands and they would have said, absolutely not put it back. And they would have given the store posters with my picture on it that said, don't let this lady in. Don't let her buy anything for a cat. I didn't call them, right? You can only be known to the extent that you allow yourself to be known. I just want us to remember that. David is super excited about that new cat. (laughs) Its name is Optimus Prime. It's not ours. We're just sharing it with friends, right? It followed us home. I don't know. Um, One of the things that I think is important as we talk about our people or people that show up. You've got to also invite them in. You've got to let them be a part of your life. And one of the things that I think is so important about that in the, in the world and the culture that we live in, it's, it's not a proximity issue. It's a presence issue. It's not about proximity. It's not about, you have all kinds of people close to you in space. It's about letting them be present with you. And as a friend, you have to be willing to step in and get close. And as a person who has friends, you need to allow them to be a part of your life in that way. We don't have a lot of evidence that the man on the mat invited those friends to take him to Jesus. We don't, we don't know that he initiated it. Maybe you're one of those friends that doesn't tell people what you need. But you can be a friend that steps in and shows up, no matter what. The second thing that we learn from these friends is that your people hold you close. This one is the one that I struggle with a lot because I would really love to have 200 friends instead of two or three or four, because if I can keep you at a distance, that's way easier than you knowing everything about me. Right? I think that that's, again, part of the culture that we live in right now is look at the social media side of me. Look how great my kids are. Don't come over after 7 p.m. though. Like, we, we, we try to just put our best stuff out there and are kind of afraid to, to let people really in We want to be friends with everybody. We want everybody to be loved and love us. But what we're invited to is to let people come in closer because you can have a lot of people, but you need some people that are really close, that you're really letting in. I think there's a lot of fear in that though Uh, because there's something that happens when we start sharing what's going on in our life really. Like, oh, you think my kids are so sweet. Can I just tell you how I'm struggling with them right now? Or hey, you thought my marriage was so perfect, but look at all this ugly. Or, hey, you thought that I was good at singing, but listen to me, like whatever it is, we think, oh, you don't wanna know that side of me, and if you do, you're, you're, you're gonna run. And I think that often comes out of hurt, that comes out of pain. I think that one of my experiences with a close friend um, stopped me for a long time from letting people too close. It was uh, not a breakup, like, so you, you date and you have breakups. My worst breakup was with a close friend. She and I were best friends for so long, and then all of a sudden, it was a break, a split. It felt like a divorce, and it stopped me from really reaching out and letting people in close, and we can't do that because God doesn't waste any hurt or pain. I think one of the main reasons that we don't let people in close is because we're afraid of getting hurt, but there's no way around it. We've got to go through it, and I think, and I'll say this over and over again, that the, the pain of isolation and living life alone is far worse than any pain that you could walk through. You've just got to step in and trust people. So one of the things that I thought about with this, uh, in American culture, we've gotten really good at holding people far, and there's a story about an anthropologist that's, in Af- he was in Africa studying just uh, this, this village and learning about them, and he had a basket of fruit, and he set the basket of fruit down the way and told these children that he was working with. The first one that gets to that basket of fruit gets to keep the whole thing. You get to keep the whole thing. And to his shock, they did not go sprinting after it. They linked arms, and they walked to it together. And he said, why did you do that? And one of them said, Ubuntu, I am because we are. I think that that's what the body of Christ is made to be, where we all have different paces, When they're running to that fruit basket, if they would have just taken off and sprinted, there would be some that would just never make it in time. They would never have a chance to be first. They would never have a chance to get to that. But they go together. They get to share it. And I think that's what God is calling us to step into, an authentic, connected life where we're better together. Let's finish the story. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? That's amazing, by the way. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I think that in our day and time right now, we would not only be amazed about the person being able to walk again, I think we would be amazed at the dedication of those friends who went through all of that to bring him to Jesus. These friends by the end of that very special day, had dirty fingernails and tired arms. It was definitely not a leg day, it was an arm day, right? That's a lot of work that they did. But they had a friend who was healed. And I don't think that we should ever underestimate the power and the good, good things that we can do to change the lives of the people around us when we give it to Jesus, when we help them get in front of the Lord. There's something before we we continue that I wanna talk about too. Um, I think that we learn from them that we need to step in and be the kind of friends that we saw here. And that involves picking up some mats and crashing some roofs. It's hard, it's painful. It's not always perfect because people are messy and we're all people and life is kind of wild and exciting. But it's worth the effort and it's worth the risk. And to show that visually, I found a video that is Titus's favorite. He wanted to come and act it out for you, but I thought that it would maybe be better if we just showed it. Um, and then I want to talk about it. Take a look.
1: So, this life is given, everyone a present, beautiful, shine.
0: better than having Titus acted out. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So that gets me every time because I think that porcupine, bless his heart, had not a chance, right? If you don't know anything about porcupines, I did a little research because I don't know if any of you are super interested in them, but they don't have a lot going for them. They're members of the rodent family first, bummer, you know. Uh, They have 30,000 quills on their body. In Latin, their name translates to irritable back. How do you like those odds, right? Like, bummer. They have a hard time with life. It's interesting to me, because we can translate that into our lives and hearts, but they have two main ways of functioning. They withdraw or they attack. Over time, they withdraw or attack. They either head for the hills or they stick out their quills. Even mating is dangerous for them. It's literally deadly for them. What can they do that won't get them hurt? That's the thing that they they struggle with, is how do we get close to anybody or anything without getting hurt? And I think we have the same question that we've gotta ask. How do we get close without getting hurt? How do we walk out community? How do we become a family that's built to last as we invite community and engage the people around us to walk life with us when we've been hurt or knowing that we probably will get hurt? How do we do it? I don't know that the porcupine has found a strategy yet, but we can. Because I think of when I'm watching that video, I literally think of that sweet, adorable little porcupine that I probably wouldn't hug either. But um, as it's a person with a lot of mats. And so people see you or me, and we've got all this stuff, and they're like, "Ooh, you can't sit here. Or, "Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away a little bit. As believers, we're called to engage a world that is hurting, to see people, and to pay attention, and to be the kind of friends that help, and that walk with, that show up, and that hold people close. And there are four things that, as I was just processing and praying what what to talk to you about, there are four things that I really think are important for us to consider as we we finish this out. The first one is that nobody's perfect. As you process who your people are, or who your people can be, or even just engaging others, nobody's perfect. You may not have almost burnt down a 100-year-old barn. And you might not have bought a cat house for a cat that's not yours. I've done both of those things, you know. But you've got stuff that you're working on and you have room to grow. I think in in one of the things that I hear a lot when I meet with people is that they're just so tired of trusting people and letting people in. And so they they have this measurement of relationship and connection that if they'll give somebody a chance but if they mess up one time, they're out. If that's how you're living, you're gonna be really lonely. Nobody's perfect. The second is that everybody wants to belong. I don't think there's a person on this planet that doesn't want to love and be loved, and you might have to be the first one to step in. If you're saying, man, I really want, I really want a village, I really want a group of people, but nobody's calling me at 3 a.m., and nobody's coming close, maybe you need to take the first step. Everybody wants to belong. Maybe they're thinking the same thing and waiting. The third is not everyone can be your people or in your village. This is, again, hard for me because I am very outgoing and I want everybody to know how much they're loved. So I can have people connections and then I need to be intentional about having people connections, people that really know me and aren't held at arm's length. You need to do the same. Not everybody can be in our people, group, village, whatever you call it. But you can show everybody that they matter. You can take time to be kind to everyone, to make sure that people know that you see them, you value them. You can make room for everyone. Life can be lived in a horseshoe, not a, not a circle. But not everybody can come in really close. And you have to be intentional about that. Last, God calls us to belong and help others belong. Our nervous systems were literally built to have other people around us our brains work better, our cardiovascular systems are healthier. Just holding hands with somebody can lower your blood pressure. So we'll all skip out of here, right? No, I'm kidding. I love holding hands. Nobody else in my family does. Totally fine. We were made to belong. God created us to belong to one another, to be better together. And it is hard. It's not some wrap it up in a bow kind of conversation, but you can take steps to start today. And there are two questions that I want to ask as we process and and begin to to end our time together. The first is, who are you carrying? Are you available as a person to help somebody with what's going on in their lives, whatever that mat might be, or multiple mats? Who are you carrying? If you're not carrying anybody, then maybe take a look around you and, and see who in your life could use some help. Just somebody to cheer them on and to let them know that you see them. The second question is who is carrying you? Are you being vulnerable in a way that's allowing people to step into your life and speak truth and speak encouragement over you and with you? Are you letting people in so that you don't have to do it alone? Because again, no matter how strong you think you are, you can't do it alone. You literally weren't made to do it alone. Maybe you don't have either. Maybe you just have some healing to do. Maybe you're like me where something happened and you were hurt so deeply that it's taken some time to let people in. Maybe you need to just acknowledge that and start moving towards healing. God doesn't want us to live life alone. We were made to be better together and living together helps us be built to last. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you the way that you have taught me over the course of preparing for this message and this time. God, I thank you for the way that you made us to be a people, not a person. That, God, you help us to know one another and to really get in the lives of one another. God, that these friends helped their friend meet Jesus in a way that changed his life forever. God, I pray that you would help us to be bold. I pray that you would help us to show up in people's lives and hold them close, God, that in everything that we do, we would reflect you and grow closer to you and help others do that too. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this community that you have given us, Lord, where we can be who we are. We don't have to be perfect, God, that people will see us and walk with us. God, if there's healing that needs to take place, if there have been pains and wounds that are getting in the way of that type of vulnerable, connected living. God, I just pray that you would start doing a work of healing. God, we thank you for the way that you are moving. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.